Hey everyone, welcome to the newest Rosenfeld Review podcast. This is Lou Rosenfeld. I'm here with Dr. Elizabeth Churchill. Hi Elizabeth, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? I'm very happy to have you on the show. Uh, and uh, for those of you who don't know Elizabeth, uh, right now her title is Director of User Experience at Google. and. She's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool job, we'll get into it in just a moment, but uh, Elizabeth, you've had it, it, it's similarly impressive titles at places like uh, Fuji, and Yahoo, and Park, and uh, I'm sure I'm, I'm leaving a few out, and, and you've had a storied career in terms of uh, writing books and articles. I, I, I'm guessing you have a few patents in there as well. I do. I have a few pending and a few granted. Yeah. And a book coming. Yeah. It's out. It came out about two weeks ago. Well, you know, we're also uh, one little uh, feather in your hat, at least one of this year's feathers. Uh, uh, well, you're, you're keynoting uh, or have keynoted two events I've been involved with. I, I helped start the IA Summit. And I know you gave a really well-received keynote there in Vancouver last month. And in June, you're the opening keynoter at Enterprise UX, uh, June uh, 8th is the date for your talk, and it's going to be in your neighborhood, San Francisco. And uh, I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about some of the ideas uh, that might come to life in that keynote. Um, we've been talking, uh, you and I, over the, the course of a few months about tooling and operations. And this is becoming increasingly important in the enterprise environment because it's not enough to hire a thousand designers and researchers. You actually have to create the infrastructure so that they can be successful and aren't constantly reinventing the wheel. And um, I, I take it that this is not exactly a new issue, that maybe years back when you were just starting to build teams and, and user experience capacities at large organizations, and tooling was an issue then. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know, sort of office automation and office tools have always been a big part of any enterprise and you know we go back to the the photocopier um, uh, you know that was one of the first big tools if you like even the typewriter perhaps but you know from the 70s onwards we've been using um, interactive uh, tools you know we've got the internet we've got connections between folks now so tooling from a skills-based approach but also from coordination and collaboration and communication has always been a really really important part of the enterprise and increasingly so and now of course we're not just putting people in touch with each other through tools we're also uh, interacting with AIs with chatbots and so forth in the enterprise so the idea of giving people the right tools to have good communication, good coordination, good skills development and execution of skills. Um, it's a shifting world, but we've always been very dependent on the quality of the tools we have. Are we just looking uh, at them differently now, though, or maybe being a little more conscious of the role that leaders and managers need to have in developing tooling? Or, or is, was that always the case when a manager was, was building a, a team uh, uh, let's say 10 or, or 20 years back, were they talking about tooling as its own thing or is it different now? Um, I think, you know, part of the toolbox, if you like, for any manager has always been how do you manage the operations of your team? And that's about, you know, the skill sets. It's about the communications. It's about the collaborations. 
And, you know, we were talking about patents earlier. One of the tools of an innovative company was uh, the inventor's notebook, right? And that was a tool where you made sure that your team, uh, members of your team, would write down their ideas with a date and the pages were numbered, right? So that you could go back and demonstrate the moment at the time when an idea came about so that you could, you know, patent and demonstrate that you were the first there. So different kinds of tools have always been part of the manager's toolbox of getting work done, making things accountable, getting communications functioning well within your teams. Now, as we move forward, of course, distributed teams became much more uh, functional, if you like, once we had video conferencing and email and so forth. So one of the tools for a manager in their toolbox was how do you manage time zones? How do you make sure that your team is functioning effectively in terms of coordination of time and calendaring, which you know spans the world globally? And you know, a few years back, um, a few of us ran a, a panel which was new at the time, which was as a user experience research manager, as a manager of any kind of distributed team, how do you manage time and tooling effectively so that people can work together and build trust with each other. Now, we're in the next phase, if you like, which is how do I manage my people, the coordination, the tools, how do I manage all of these digital resources and help my people have structures so that they can find things and store things in the ways that other people can find them? Think about all of the folders we have with shared artifacts that are digital. One of the things we do is we say, hey team, this is the way the folder structure is going to work. Please make sure you adhere to this so that, you know, this set of rules so that people can pick up what you're doing and can coordinate with you. And now we're sort of thinking about how will something like AI fit into that? How will I use AI, deploy AI, machine learning? How will bots work with me and my calendar and my team? But it's always been our job as managers to socialize the tools within the structures that we have for managing the teams so that the people in the teams can be effective and can get their work done without actually being bogged down by the tooling, but rather emancipated to do the good work and the communication and the collaboration with the tooling. And that honestly takes the kind of skill set that we have as human-centered designers and researchers. So I think it's sort of not really surprising that possibly we are the ones who talk the most about the tooling ops in terms of that very human-centric approach to what is it doing for me and what is it doing for my people and ultimately how is it affecting the quality of the work that we need to get done? Well, and you know, one of the things that, um, uh, you know, we have to our benefit in the user experience world is that we're a, a profession of uh, cross-disciplinarians. Uh, we, we strive for balance. We, we're, you know, we're a synthetic field, and so we're very used to looking at things that will help people with different backgrounds, who use different languages, who come from different tribes, work together. Uh, one of the things that um, we've talked about before, and I wonder if you can develop a bit on further, is the idea of tools as common objects that bring people who together who, fr who come from these different backgrounds and, and who in a, in a way move at different cadences 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I mentioned time zone differences, for example. So that's just one way that we are moving at different cadences. It's literally the, you know, the rhythms of time of what is day and what is night. And so that sort of asynchronous collaboration and communication is part of, you know, cadence, if you like. And then, you know, there's also, for example, different places. Um, I love the, the idea of culture and tribe that you brought up. They have different vacations and different holidays and different celebrations. So there's another cadence, which is a calendar cadence to make sure that people are honoring each other's time frames. But I think there's another way of thinking about cadence, which you and I have discussed, which is, you know, businesses have particular cadences of when things get delivered. Businesses have customers who have expectations about when things get delivered. You know, we have financial timeframes. Um, and making sure that teams can work to certain kinds of deadlines and that the pressures are not negative pressures, but good pressures is part of what we do as a manager. Um, and then if we think about the cadences of learning, so you and I also have talked about the fact that I span the academic world as well as the industry world. And there are different cadences for the academic cycle of production and the business cycle of production. And increasingly we're seeing staff moving between these two worlds of you know learning and developing their own skill sets and then coming back into industry people are taking night classes they're taking you know extension classes to develop their own skills so these are all different cadences that we work under all of the time and you know i think part of the job of a manager is making sure we're honoring all of those and taking care of what our individual people are needing to do with their times potentially in other locations globally, but also how do we keep delivery to a schedule? Um, and that's part of the work that we do in trying to structure time for people. Um, we've also talked about design and engineering. You know, it takes time to do good design work. It takes time to do good user experience work. There are business demands and engineering demands, and those translations need to happen. We need to take good research and make sure that the research quality doesn't suffer because we're under a lot of time pressure because the engineering team might need an answer. So packaging that and framing that um, I think is one of the things that good managers are always developing as part of their craft, communicating and translating and managing those, those time frames. So I think this is a really a uh, important point, and, and I want to uh, I want to make sure we really bring it out. Uh, a, a lot of us, certainly in the UX field, are, we're, we're very interested in balance, and we, we've one of the ways we look at that is cross disciplinary and, and having different perspectives that lead to better design outcomes. But um, we also, uh, especially once we're in leadership or management roles, need to not only think about having balanced teams and, and balanced methodologies, but having at least an appreciation of balance across cadences and the fact that you, you may be dealing with people who are either you know guided by the fiscal year calendar or the, or the sprint cycle uh, and uh, those are very different things that you need to be aware of and then there may be individuals who you know almost as a form of your, your own team kind of having the right uh, it's like 
it's almost like a, a, a nutritional balance that you have to give them the opportunity as individuals to 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 work within different cadences, to to enjoy the the long term, you know, digging into ideas that that sounds like more in, uh, in line with the academic cadence as well as the we got to get this thing delivered this week. That is, uh, you know, the cadence of business. That the individual kind of needs to have some ba a balanced diet uh, in terms of, of cadence. Um, but what about as, as you know, returning to tooling? As you we we look forward to um, building, as you put it, scaffolds that help uh, people who are responsible for design, whether they be designers or, or non designers. Uh, what the, the tools that they use are going to be increasingly uh, inclusive of bots and, and uh, artificial intelligence. What what is? I don't know if anybody has the answer to this, but do you, do you, at, at this point, but do you have a sense of what that's going to look like? How it's going to work? Is it going to be a very different world than what we have now, or is it just a kind of continuation of where we are now and where we're going? Um, well, I think we're right on the edge, and so. Um, I think this is a super exciting time. So again, if we sort of think about, you know, the two main ways in which I'm thinking about, you know, AI and bots and so forth, um, one is the coordination tooling. And so how how can we how can we make sure that we're using systems and tools which, you know, allow people to coordinate more effectively? I'll give you a sort of concrete example. I mentioned you know, making sure that you have a system of folders where shared assets and resources are carefully labeled with a system so that other people can come and, you know, find what they need. I mean, it's basically sort of it's basic library science, if you like, you know. What are the great practices around, you know, creating your library of assets so that others can come and find what they need? I think increasingly we can use smart systems to help us do that more effectively, to close the gap, if you like, between um, you know different disciplines and um, you know different time frames, which where the, the assets need to be shared. Um, so I think that kind of infrastructure tooling for collaboration and coordination um, is really coming to the fore. And ironically, I think it was 2002 I published a book, which was an edited book, which was you know basically. CSCW agents, it was agent-based CSCW with a whole bunch of fairly academic chapters thinking about how we were going to do this. And I think it's taken this long for us to really get there in the enterprise. Um, so that coordination tooling is going to be really important for us. Um, the other part I think you and I talked about was the sort of skills tooling, if you like. So we've heard a lot in the media about the ways in which machine learning um, can help, you know, surface interesting new art by taking millions of photographs and coming up with something new. Now, what does that look like for helping us think about designs? So as a designer, I could come up with a few parameters and then say, okay, generate all of the potential um, sort of entailments that start from this with this as input data. Um, I was playing around with a logo generator online not that long ago. And basically it was taking photos from, um, I think it was Google Photos, and you would put in some parameters and it would generate a logo for you. 
um, based on what you liked and didn't like. So you were basically training the system by your likes and not likes, and it was coming up with what could be a nice logo for you. Now take that to an extension where you're actually giving someone who really knows what they're doing the tools. You're not de-skilling that person because they have all of this incredible knowledge from their design practice and their training. You're giving them the tools so that they can explore potential avenues much, much, much more quickly than they could before. And then they're pruning what comes out and course correcting and redirecting and it's expanding their creative potential. And time again comes into it because the system can do this way more quickly than a human could do that generation. But you're giving that to the human in a time frame that works well for their creative process. We all know that, you know, computers are good at certain kinds of computation. Let's let them do what they do best and let's free us up so that the time frame for our creative expression works well with what they produce. You know, you get somebody, you know, I'd like 12 permutations on this idea. Please get it back to me by the end of the day. You know, the human is going to be spending a lot of time tweaking and it's going to be sort of exhausting and possibly not that exciting to them. That's what the system loves to do. The human can generate a whole bunch of different options and you do what humans do best, which is actually bring the craft skill of design and user experience to evaluate what the system does well, which is all of these different permutations. That's what's so exciting, I think. I totally agree. Um, and, and we know the enterprises and, and people who work in them are, are, are confronted again and again and again with uh, the, the tedium of, of tasks that really would be so lovely to delegate to bots. Um, although I, I still wonder when this is going to really take off because uh, I still haven't seen a, a personal assistant bot that can manage scheduling a a conference call properly, it'll happen eventually. And uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if uh, it, it, it's not something uh, that's already coming out of uh, your team's work. Um, I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I know you've got to run to, to a meeting, but somehow in a short podcast, we, we've covered quite a lot of territory from uh, uh, balance and cadence to uh, AI in the enterprise and, and team development and a few other things. And uh, uh, boy, I can't wait to your keynote. Uh, th there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> there is indeed. It's, it's going to be great. Uh, we'll just have to pick one idea and, and, and <laughs> start with that. You, you've got so much that you can cover and it's not surprising because you, you've been doing so much for quite some time and uh, it, uh, I'm glad to have an opportunity to cross paths with you and, and have you on the show, Elizabeth. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed talking to you and I look forward to more conversations. Uh, thanks so much for having me. And uh, if you want to hear more, uh, please join Elizabeth, uh, me and many other really smart people, well, and me, uh, for Enterprise UX uh, in San Francisco, uh, June 7th through 9th. EnterpriseUX.net is the place to check, out, check it out for more, and uh, thanks for joining us today.